Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life, books and champagne, brought to you by Amanda and Ellen, co-owners of your local independent bookstore, Dog-Eared Books in Ames, Iowa. First, give me a cheers. Okay, we're ready. And books are sexy. We are drinking Amanda's House Champagne, which is Domaine Carneros by Tattinger, or Tattinger. Um, what's cool about this, I noticed this, it has a special label on it. It says late disgorged. So of course I had to look up what that meant. So when you are fermenting wine, it rests on its leaves. The leaves are the residual materials, um, that like yeast, grape skins, debris, stem stuff. There you go. And that adds flavor to the wine. And if you let it rest on its lees years longer than you would normally with champagne. So let's say you rest a wine five years. If you give it an extra two years, apparently that extra time affects the flavor because of the engagement with the lees. So this is late disgorged. And I did notice a difference because this is the wine I drink all the time at my house. I noticed it. It's like, this is tastes different, like more flavorful. It has more flavor. And I, I'm not sophisticated enough to tell you what I'm tasting, but it is a flavorful champagne. Okay. So there we go. Thank you for the lesson. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to Demanda's Champagne Bar. (laughs) <laughs> all right it's my favorite bar yeah thank you ellen tell me what you're reading this week i'm reading the cherry robbers by sarai walker this is our dog eared books book club pick uh we're meeting this week but i actually got the arc for this book a long time ago and i had it in my bag and i was like had my kid at a doctor's appointment it was taking forever so i started reading it and like right away like the writing was so good and so I chose it for a book club pick. And now I'm actually reading the whole thing. And it's a really great. My dog's being naughty. Oh. Keep going. Can I keep talking? Yeah, keep, keep talking. talking. Is okay, Rachel? Okay. Um, so the premise is it's 1950s and there are five sisters, the Chapel sisters. And the Chapel family, they are heiresses to a firearms fortune. <laughs> Oh my god. They're so naughty. Okay, firearms. Yes. Oh my lord. Because there are cross guns on the cover, right? Yes. So they are heiresses to a firearms fortune. Um, And their dad has been who runs this firearms company is largely absent. And their mother is not mentally well. And they've grown up in this like old Victorian mansion in Connecticut and that their mother believes is haunted by shooting victims, the people who have been shot with chapel firearms. And so anyway, these sisters are like, what the fuck? We got to get out of here. But the only viable way to really like escape your home life if you're a woman in the 1950s is what? Marriage. Marriage. But they quickly realize as they start marrying off that for the chapel sisters, Marriage means literal death. There's a curse. Oh my gosh. And the youngest sister, Iris, is the only one who gets out of Connecticut. In present day, she's living under a different name. She is a famous artist living in New Mexico. And no one really knows her true identity. But um, 
it seems that past seems to be catching up with her. And this can she, so good. Can she really escape the Chapel Sister curse? Wow. Um, the writing's fantastic. I, I'm not far into it, um, but it, it hooked me right away. And I love the premise of the yeah, story. Yeah, the like, premise I love, is like, so a original. Magical, I don't know if there are ghosts in the story. Like, I, I don't know yet, but... Um, I, I feel like if it if it keeps on the trajectory, it's going on for me. If it is what I hope it will be, uh, it might be among my very favorite reads this year. Ooh, fun. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, what are you reading? I'm reading Mercury Pictures Presents. And okay. the reason I picked this up is because it's by Anthony Mara, who wrote mm. A Constellation of Vital Phenomena, Phenomena um, which is about Chechnya, um, under siege from Russian invasion. Um, it was a really powerful story. So it, it, it tells a story about something that's happened in history, but through the intimate lens of characters that you come to care deeply about. And Anthony's done the same thing in this book, in Mercury Pictures Presents. Um, and the characters are people who have all escaped turmoil in Europe. So the persecuted or the people who have gotten away from uh, Hitler's rise in power or fascist Italy. The primary character is Maria Lagana. She is an Italian immigrant who came over with her mother. Her father had been sent to a town that was basically like a jailed town. Um, those who have been determined to be, you know, um, a threat to the new fascist government were sent to this town and not allowed to leave. Um, and so they've gone to visit her father there and then decided to come over to America. And she finds her way into Hollywood working for Mercury Pictures. She's very ambitious, wants to be a director, works for a very humorous um, head of studio. And um, so you have the thread of her aspirations um, for her career in Hollywood, but it's all um, in the context of the start of World War II. And mm -hmm. she um, is considered an enemy to the state. Like she can't travel more than five miles, can't go visit her mom who's seven miles away. Um, and she has a cohort of other emigres, mm -hmm. people who left Germany, um, individuals who are Japanese. Everyone is kind of restricted and they are seen as potential enemies. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting look at what it was like to be in America, but identified as a potential enemy also Hollywood's role in creating propaganda for the war. So it's multifaceted. Sounds it's really good. Really beautiful poetic writing, um, but has a cool thread about movie making. So that's what I'm reading. Very good. All right. This week we're talking about banned books because it is National Banned Books Week. Um, it was started in 1982, the year of my birth. I'm older than you. <laughs> Um, in response to increased threats and challenges to books in schools, bookstores, and libraries. So, Sound the, familiar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's all this new again? Um, so Bands, Band Books Week was started as um, kind of a celebration, um, celebrating the right to read, um, kind of a counter 
to these book bans, but it's become less celebratory um, in recent years in and more of a call to action because ban, bans on books are increasing. And we're not talking just nationally. We have seen a huge, huge surge in attacks on books locally in Iowa. Yep. So why are books being banned? <laughs> well, when... Uh, when we look at the books that are coming up in the news as being the ones that, you know, conservatives um, have latched on to as being problematic books, despite probably 90% of those people not actually reading those books, um, they have some things in common. There's, there's a common thread to the conversations that are going on um, in school board meetings, in elections, in legislation, and... These two threads are this concept of like parental rights and parent input. And the other thread is um, books that contain obscene material. And you and I were talking earlier about this, that that's just some fucked up coded language. Right. Okay. Because parents' rights mean that I, as a, as a white cisgender straight parent, want my child to not read about people of color or queer people. Right. That's what that means. Right. That's what that coded language means. Obscene sexual material means sexual material involving queer people. Right. Because if you look at these books that are being brought up over and over again, that's what they have in common. They are all about characters who have marginalized or excluded identities. So to give you some statistics to back that up, um, reporting on national... Um, book bans in the last nine months show that 41% of all book bans um, include protagonists of color. Um, books that are explicitly about LGBTQ topics um, represent 33% of all banned books. And then books about race and racism are one-fifth of all bans. So these are like the top um, topics that are included um, in banned books. And to get more local, um, the books that are being banned just in this last academic year, say the last... Um, the ones that we've seen like locally challenged. Yep. Yeah. Um, almost exclusively fall in line with that. So um, the one getting the most attention is Genderqueer, um, a memoir about um a, it's a graphic novel um about the author's experience growing up as questioning their their gender identity um requests for removal have been made in Ankeny, Waukee, and West Des Moines high schools all boys aren't blue um personal essays about experiences growing up as a black gay man West Des Moines, Waukee, Ankeny speak um, this is Lori Hulse Anderson's personal experience about sexual assault. Um, West Des Moines Stillwell Junior High wants that out. Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Um, a girl with cancer is befriended by another teenager. Um, Ankeny's 8th through 12th grade collections want that out. Um, you're seeing some consistencies here, Um in terms of sexual, uh, queer sexual content, and also marginalized personality or uh, identities um, all across the state. More specifically, we have a lawmaker, Jake Chapman, a senator, 
who proposed legislation that would allow parents to bring lawsuits against teachers and administrators who provide these types of books to students. Um, it's it's all part of this effort um, to silence black and brown and queer voices, right? right? You see in other legislation too. Like there was just a lawsuit that thank God a judge like dismissed by some parents. Um, I'm, tr- I'm blanking on Linmar community. Have you heard this? this? This just happened this week. Linmar community school district has a policy in place um, that allows students who are um, questioning their gender or to have a gender like plan in place for them. Mm-hmm. And that includes uh, making sure that staff use preferred pronouns and, and names. And um, some parents filed a lawsuit saying, well, that violates my kid's ability to, if my kid doesn't want to honor somebody's pronouns, that's their first amendment. Right. And um, so anyway, it got dismissed, but there's this, it, these book bans are part of that larger, like right. queer phobic, you know, racist agenda. And I think we just need to call it what it is. Like that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I lack a little bit of patience for this, this coded language. There's also, we, you know, Iowa made national news this summer, Vinton Public Library. Vinton's a small town. It's about 5,000 people. It's in Eastern Iowa. And their public library went through three directors in a year's time. And all of those people were quitting because of the transphobic, homophobic pressure that was being put on them by members of the community to like not carry those books there were two queer staff members of the library who faced constant anti-LGBTQ sentiment um, who, who quit. And the library had to shut down because nobody would fucking work there. Yeah. And then the community was like, well, I don't have a library. What do we do? Well, you caused this, assholes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. um, so, uh, you know. If, the, if people, and you said the parallel's true for the teaching community. Oh, yeah. these These parents who are under the guise of parental rights, you know, really making it hard for teachers and librarians to do their jobs. You know, people are leaving the teaching profession in droves and fewer people are going into the profession. Who's going to teach your kids? You're going to be a homeschool parent. Yeah. (laughs) And for real. And on that topic, um, you know, if you want to exercise parental rights, homeschool your kid. Yeah. Um, Find your private school where you can have your say in restricting and narrowing your child's education. (laughs) You are going to raise a very small-minded individual, but I suppose that's your goal. Um, I mean, if the goal is I don't want my kid exposed to people who are different, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So let's talk about why it's important that these books stay in schools. Why is it important? We're looking um, at stories about questioning gender identity, about sexuality, about the experience of immigrants. Why is that important? We live in a state that has plenty of um, immigrant population. Many of our manufacturing uh, and meat processing towns are hugely populated by immigrants, um, people of color. Mm -hmm. And in a very white state, farming state, I think it's really important for our uh, majority students to be able to see 
what the experiences are of the people in their schools to have greater empathy for what it's like to be uprooted, to have parents who maybe um, don't speak English and to be a first generation American. Um, It's also very important for marginalized person identities um, to see themselves represented, to know that their voices and stories matter enough to be in a school library and in a classroom. Sometimes, you know, like if, if you're a member of um, you know, a non-marginalized identity, like if you, if you hold those sort of privileged identities, you take for granted that most of what you consume reflects your experience. Right. And that's just something that's, that's the air you breathe. Right. Right. And so, you know, speaking as a mom and, and as a former teacher, I think it's so, so important for all kids to see all identities and experiences reflected in what they read it's important because we have to grow empathy and we have to read about experiences that aren't our own but we all have a right to see ourselves reflected in in our world around us right because we're all valid we're all normal right Right. so you know acting as though you know books about people who aren't white or people who aren't straight or people who aren't cisgender is like somehow going to harm children that is that is so that does so much damage right. to kids who are already already having like an uphill battle right because of um the the hate and the microaggressions and things that they face every day to see their um experiences and identities labeled as obscene yeah by lawmakers the people in control of their state is awful yeah it's i don't know i i would like to I wish that parents um, would be teaching their kids the values of of acceptance. Right. And I, and I think that there are a lot of parents who do, but there are a lot who don't. My, um, my oldest was, I was talking to them about school yesterday. And I said, how was school? And they said, oh, it was kind of bad. I might, I might get into a, a heated argument with someone tomorrow so if I get in trouble don't don't be mad at me and I said oh what you know what happened and they said well I was sitting at lunch and I overheard this conversation behind me and this kid was saying that his parents had told him that um being gay if, if a kid if a middle school kid is gay then either <clears throat> um they made the choice to be gay mm-hmm. or their parents didn't raise them right. Yep. I've heard this. It's being taught in churches in town. Yeah. And um, so we, we kind of talked that talked that through. Um, but, you know, I will just say here for the record that it's your parents who aren't teaching you right. Yeah. Child. <laughs> You've so been misinformed. You have been misinformed. Um, but it's sad to me that adults behave in the way they're behaving. And you know what? If you want to be a racist or transphobic or homophobic asshole, at least own that. Like at least say that. Like don't act like you're a nice person when you go around spewing that rhetoric. Right. I just, I just don't want my kid to read about sex. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's plenty of straight sex happening oh, in plenty of books. All over the place. Yeah. But we're not talking about those books. No. So what can people do? Well, there, there's a lot people can do. I mean, I think number one is we are in an election year. Vote, you know, vote for people 
who um, we're we're at a really important point in our country right now. We have to we have to make some decisions about who we are as a country and what we're about. Mm-hmm. And this falls into a much broader conversation, right? But when you vote, think about that. Is this a country that's really for everybody, right? Um, and vote for people who who believe that and who will act on that. I think more specific to ban books, vote in your school board meetings, show up at school board meetings when you know that they've been getting some pressure about books. Just there's a public forum in almost every school board meeting. Right. You can just get up for 30 seconds, say, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm speaking in support of not banning books. And here's why. It doesn't have to be this huge, long speech that you give. It's just you're lending your voice. Right. You know, when somebody else is shouting at the school board about a book, you can be a person on the other side saying, actually, I support this book. So just lending your voice um, as opposition to those efforts. Write to your paper. Um, pay attention to your legislators. A lot of this is happening at the state level. So emailing, calling, showing up at the state house, um, letting the people who represent you know that you're paying attention to this. Um, one of the things that's been incredibly encouraging and also kind of almost laughable in a way is when these uh, attention is given to these banned books, the sales of them <laughs> skyrocket. They do. And I and that's good for us. But what worries me is that like access to those books right. isn't improved, you know, like right. because they're not you can't maybe if you can't get it in a library, maybe you can't afford to get to buy a book right. in a bookstore or something. So right. it's a limiting access. So Yes, they do become more popular. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, you're not really achieving your goal. Right. Um, But it's really important that those books remain in libraries. Right. And as a parent, you know, like, if you're really concerned about what your kid is reading, read 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 it it. too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And also, most of these books we're talking about are high school level books. You really think that, you know, Johnny Jr., who's like 17 years old and about to be an adult, like can't handle reading about a blowjob? Like, I'm sorry, he's probably had one. Like, yeah. Or he's, I, he's I, wishing I mean, he had one. Or he's wishing. He knows what it is, yeah. okay? Yeah. Mom and dad, he knows what it is. Right, <laughs> right. So, this, I mean, you, yeah. what are you shielding your kid from? Right. Like, it, nothing that they don't already know. Right. You know? So, yeah, but we've had um, plenty of customers who've kind of gone on a banned books reading spree. We have mm. people who are including them in their book clubs. Yep. People are trying to wake, make their way through each of the titles that are being challenged in our say. And that's a really great way to be informed on what conversations are happening. Read these books and see what they're about so you can uh, speak in defense of those experiences um, recommend the books to other people. You can purchase these books and uh, make them uh, readily available in schools and libraries. Donate them to your school libraries. Yeah, um, that's a that's a huge thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Like, donate books like this to your to your kids' teachers or just to teachers in your community to have in their classroom libraries. You know, any way that you can make those books widely available. But yeah, so we sort of celebrate banned books week but what we're really thinking about is a call to action call to action because that conversation is a part of a a much bigger and conversation that's that's gonna how that conversation ends up 
is going to say a lot about who we are as a country. Right. Locally in our store, we keep banned books on display in our young adult section. We give them extra billing. We provide postcards for you to write your representatives and legislators at the local or the state level. Uh, We'll mail those for you. You can just say, please don't ban books. Sign your name. We'll get it sent off for you. Um, We are also hosting a banned books trivia bash. Yeah, on Friday. Thursday, Friday, yes, Friday. Friday. Um, teams can register or individuals can participate, um, and it will be all around books that have been banned. Trivia inspired by these works of fiction and nonfiction. Yeah, I'm excited for that. And we have a special banned cocktail um, and lots of fun themed banned books elements. Um, let's see what else. Amanda, what's coming out this week? <laughs> <laughs> um, what's popping? What's... No, that's what's popping at the store. Oh. Okay. This week, <laughs> we're getting into God, the... Rachel. <laughs> we're getting into the fall season. This is kind of where some of these big hitters are starting. Fall, fall's the yeah. season for the big books. Yeah, we're going to see over the next couple months a lot of big ones drop. Yeah. Um, Lucy by the Sea by Elizabeth Strout is coming out. This is a continuation of her story about um, Lucy Barton. Um, People have really adored Lucy and the characters of her town. So the next installment is out this week. Less is Lost, which is a sequel to Less, a Pulitzer Prize winning story about a queer author finding his way in the world um coming out this week by Andrew Sean Greer I saw an article um a really fantastic photo piece on the author and he talks about this one being really uh, a fun story a celebratory story about a queer man um the bullet that missed so this is the third the in third. the Thursday Murder Club series and that has been a hugely hugely popular um, mystery series about people in a retirement village solving cold cases together. Um, and then we have Maybe Now by Colleen Hoover, who's living her best life. Right. Um, so <laughs> Colleen Hoover occupies like half of our bestseller. I know. In <laughs> um, Kids, we have Otter uh, from Catherine Applegate. Catherine Applegate did... Um, she writes about animals. So she did. She did the one and only. Ivan. The one and only Ivan. Um, she creates very big personalities, and this one is an otter and um, an expansion of the Hey Bruce collection um, from Ryan Higgins. This is a interactive moving parts book that will be really fun. Um, nonfiction, Starry Messenger, from Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's always fascinating us with his conversations about the cosmos um drunk on love by jasmine guillory (laughs) which i know she's very popular in romance right and then dreamland from nicholas sparks everyone's favorite heartbreaker (laughs) okay now you tell me what's popping at the store well, tomorrow we have Story Hour with you and Lovey at 10 a.m. Come read stories with me. 
Yeah. And then on Thursday, we have the Dogyard Books official book club at 10 a.m. with the Cherry Robbers. Yeah, uh, get that one in. Read it. I'm very excited about an event we have on Thursday evening from 7 to 9. It's a poetry slam. We had one of these back in February. It was a huge hit. It's emceed by the fabulous spoken word artist, Apple Amos. And she does a phenomenal job of hyping up these these people who are participating in the slam. And what was really cool about the last one is that we had like all ages participating in the slam. I mean, like kids yep. way on up. So um, really cool opportunity to participate or come watch um, a slam of talented people in the community. We have the Band Books Bash Trivia. Yeah, aforementioned. Seven. You can sign up on our website for that. On Saturday, we have the Good Trouble Book Club. This is kind of part of our effort to bring forth those books that represent marginalized identities. Um, they're always reading something with a social justice bent. They're reading Small Town Pride by Phil Stamper. Um, we also have one of their, uh, an element of one of their past book clubs, a zine about being dress coded that the participants created together. It's for sale uh, for a free will donation at our front desk. Um, and it, it reflects the students' experiences with dress codes at their local schools. So they will be meeting Saturday 4 to 445. Um, that's a sign up online as well. And lastly, we have Women from Other Worlds Book Club meeting Monday, 5 to 6. They're reading Iron Widow by Shirin J. Zhao. Awesome. Well, cheers to another great week of reading. Cheers. Cheers. Remember, uh, subscribe, like, follow, because you want to find out what's happening in Dog Eared Books every single week. Yep. And if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books. Follow us at, at Dog Eared Books Ames or at Dog Eared Books on TikTok. All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing and the books going. This is so great. It's so great. <laughs>